Hello and welcome to Academy. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I'm Jasmine McNeely, I'm here with... And I'm Benny Torres. And today we're going to come back to you and talk to you all about the academic things. Or Ac- things. Academic things that are on our mind, yes. that are important. Right, that, that need to get talked that about. That need to get talked about that aren't talked about. Uh, so before we started recording, you were kind of talking about state legislatures or jobs. Yeah, so I think, you know, the climate of this country is just uh, one that is kind of both. I mean, the term people use a lot is anti-intellectual, but I think it's more Hmm. than that. I think it's a lot of anti, like, liberty and personal freedom kind of. You know, I'm, I'm serious about that because if you want to say that you want people to be able to be entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. you know entrepreneurialism was a buzzword it still kind of is but not as much anymore but if we want people to be entrepreneurs you know what that means people need to be able to think Mm -hmm. outside of the bounds of perhaps how they've been trained you know we don't want automatons automatons can't be entrepreneurs it's a pretty hard thing to do however if you have programs wherein you're saying this is lockstep what you must do and this is how people must learn, and this is what people must learn, then, you know, there's a pro- there's going to be a little bit of a problem with that. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of interesting because if you think about who's setting educational policy or who's setting, not even policy, forget policy, <laughs> but like the vision, right? Like what's the, what, what is the vision for educating people? And it really, it really has been, and I love this like language that you used, uh, which is like, you know, what you need to get a job. Uh, And like, it's such a, it's such a kind of false premise in a weird way. Like, what does it actually mean? And not even to get like, not even to try to get philosophical or overly philosophical, but like what you need to get a job as if one, it implies that a job is the ultimate sort of goal. Yeah. Uh, just, just a job, just, you know, as if, you know, uh, would I be as happy, like as if teaching and dishwashing were the same, that all all I need is just an income and that I'm good. Right. Uh, and then what you need, which is the other sort of component there of like, as if there's a checklist or as if there's sort of like a magical formula that equals, you know, good job you know job doing people Uh. you know there's a lot of focus on work and and we there's a reason for that right we can't you need money or some kind of income we've moved away from a trading or bartering society right right? so you need that to survive which you know if we want to really get into that it's slightly unfortunate but um we know why people want to get a job so we've been sold the bill of goods that if you if you go to college you should be able to get a good job once you have finished now where does that i mean so what does that leave the field of education or higher education in particular and where does that leave quite frankly k-12 uh education so is the object of education to get people a job or for get him trained to work for somebody or is it so that they know how to think and they can use that in service of earning a living? A li- right. And I mean, I think that that's, I, 
I come from a copywriting background. I come from a writing background. And, like, you know, earning a living even is, I feel like, a more productive sort of piece of language than, like, getting a job. And I think you're, you're asking some interesting questions about, like, you know, it is is it our job to, you know, is it our job as educators to create workers? And I, you know, and that's something I, I, I would very forcefully say no. Um, and you know, what's cool is like, look, there are certain people who love work and you know, there's a need for, and maybe this is directing us in a different direction, but like, yeah, there's a need for trade and all that kind of stuff. But on an underlying level, like, you know, you, you have the conversation about manufacturing jobs and, and we're going to bring back manufacturing jobs. You know, the question is like, can you aspire for more? Mm-hmm. Number one. And number two, as the world gets incre- I mean, I just had two professionals come in, uh, two just uh, people who are working in the advertising industry come in, and both of them referenced AI. Both of them referenced automation. Mm-hmm. So the question then becomes like, if the world is getting increasingly automated or technology is, you know, disrupting jobs and all that kind of stuff, do we need workers or do we need thinkers and, 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 and doers and makers? Workers are different from thinkers and doers and makers. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and one thing I want to put at, at the baseline level is there's nothing wrong with any kind of legal work. <laughs> I should say. There's absolutely nothing wrong with any kind of job that you have, that you earn a living. Um, you should be proud that you have a job any kind of job and I would never want that because I know for like me and perhaps you too like we had we're not so far removed from people um, working jobs that many people think now are demeaning hmm. I would I and I that you know that's so far from what I believe that I, I don't want people to think that oh you know if you come out of college you shouldn't get a job as dare I say a janitor right. what's wrong with janitor they do a a great job and they do what they're supposed to do i would say though however um we need to think larger and holistically about how what what it is that the focus of education is and and quite frankly we need to think about the fact that there are many different kinds of educations that people can get so we think about things like uh uh professional training or um, uh, technical trainings there is there is that available we have uh, you know liberal arts trainings we have um, workshopping or portfolio training mm-hmm. so there's very different kinds of trainings however all of that is lumped into one and it's thought of like okay this needs to lead to a specific kind of result that may not be good for all students um, we think of like different kind of learning styles. So we have like visual learners. Mm-hmm. We have people who need to just read. Mm-hmm. Or we have people who need to do. Mm-hmm. Same thing with work. Yeah, we don't really talk about working styles. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't sort of. We don't talk. We don't. We don't teach people sort of to to think about. You know. Uh, and I, to think about sort of what they like to do, and I, I struggle with this candidly. You know, I, I, I do a lot of mentorship. In fact, uh, today I have, you know, four or five hours of mentorship. And I always start from a place of what are you passionate about? What do you enjoy doing? What do you love doing? Because all my mentors and all the successes that I've seen in my past 
uh, are rooted in that. Uh, but we do not really approach... I still think in America we approach it a little bit much more in the... It's called work. Work is work for a reason. Yeah. And I think our sort of education system, K through 12, and even sadly, I think that it's infecting the college component as well. Um, it becomes much more transactional. Yes. And, and there's a lot less thinking involved. Like, and I, you know, the question is, and not to get so philosophical here, but the question is, what are you on the planet to do? You know, continue being philosophical. What, what do you want the planet to do here? Yeah. What do you What do you want? You know, you're you're gonna die one day, and when you do, in the moment right before, you know, what are you gonna feel about what you spent the vast majority of your time doing here? Yeah. And is it what you know? Did you enjoy it? Was it? Did you serve? Whatever it is, there are different kind of workers, and you know, to your point, who are we to you know? say hey you should be x y or z but in an interesting way the way the system you know is set up and this focus on jobs yeah uh, this focus on work as opposed to self-fulfillment as opposed to you know self-actualization as opposed to like becoming you know a, a better human so that you can you know make better humans and make other people's you know i, I think about and I, I think part of it is the 50s and the 60s and and are sort of parents mm -hmm. and I feel very lucky my mom always said to me we have sacrificed for you not so that you get a job so that you can love what you do mm -hmm. and I think that's a really unique perspective that I'm thankful for because that was instilled in me very early right but even being instilled in me very early for example my brother who's six years younger than me didn't quite figure it out and part of it I think is because of this focus in schooling, and we're only six years apart, but you can see the difference in sort of uh, uh, standardized testing and, and him, his elementary school, I remember thinking this as I was in sort of middle school and high school and I was noticing what he was doing. I was like, goodness, they're like, they've, they've made it all about tests. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I'm very curious to like, and I should dig into some research or whatever, but like, I gotta believe that, like, you know, if you've been taught for years and years and years and years and years that it's multiple choice, and that, you know, whether it is subtle or overt that you're learning against a test, as opposed to more free thinking, as opposed to more self exploration, as opposed to skills that are not easily graded or easily standardized. What's the impact on your mindset, on your brain, on the neurons, on the young neurons that are being formed there? And then when it comes to that point, when you're 22 or 23, and you have to go, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? There's no more. There's no longer a system propelling me forward. Right. What do you? What do you? And I see. I'm curious to get your take on sort of, you know, the state of of, of graduating seniors. We're actually sort of approaching graduation now, but like. I see a lot of them, and I'm going to see some of them today, that have a scared, wild look in their eyes and are realizing there is no right answer here. I can't multiple choice this. And like, and it sounds silly, but it's, I think it's a sad thing that like, okay, as a human, I look at you and I say, what are you into? And the response is, I don't know. And it's like, okay, well, let's, let's start from the very beginning and explore what the heck you're even into. I... I totally agree with you but I think I think we, we have uh, I mean there is research out there but I think we you and I both deal with this 
in our classrooms, right? Whether it's the uh, focus on grades versus did you actually, you know, learn what what is happening? Or the grades like, no, I need a, I, you know, I never have gotten anything below AA ever in my life, which, you know, is, distrib- is disputable. But, you know, that thing, that real focus on that outcome versus hmm. like, and then not, not just outcome, but that specific um, calculable or evaluation related outcome versus, you know what, when I go, I'm going to use this or I'm going to make sure that I, this isn't used against me for like law and policy issues in my whatever profession I choose. But also just in the thinking about, we work in a very like siloed profession oriented like uh, cla- class or, or college. Okay. Right? Where, you know, students I think are said like, this is the possibilities for you. Like go work at an ad agency mm-hmm. or go work for a PR form or go work in the newsroom or, you know, then, what else is out there for them? So how do we get students to think creatively or you know, allow them to think creatively about what are the various places you could take what you've learned, how to think, how to write, how to communicate, and apply that and be perfectly happy doing, or quite frankly, more than happy doing what it is that you're doing, but it's not in this, oh, I gotta get into this firm or I gotta go do this it's well two two things I want to go back to the sort of uh, uh, the sickness a little bit and and I want to I want to tell a story which is uh, I was doing recently uh, resume checks or like resume conversations or whatever with the whole class and uh, a student sort of looked at me and said, okay, well, what do you, how do you feel about a second page on a resume? And I said, you know, absolutely not. You know, I don't even have a second page. I get that, you know, you're, you're just being overly wordy or whatever. And the response from the student was, well, I've done four internships. What did I do those four internships for if I'm not going to put it on my resume? And I, I was really, you know... I was really shocked at the question and and luckily the you know the obvious answer came to me in the moment and I, I sort of got over the shock and I was like well you know to experience and to learn and to grow and there was sort of an eye roll and like a, a sigh and and you know it was it was such a that exchange for me is indicative of the problem uh, which is like well if I just do X Y and Z right then finally that's where happiness is gonna find me so that that's that's the one you know, the the, the sickness. Yeah. Um, as I think about our role or sort of like where where we go from here, it's oddly enough the only person, the only politician I've heard talking about this is, uh, and I always get his name wrong. Uh, it's Kasich, uh, K whatever the Ohio Kasich. John Kasich. There you go, <laughs> Kasich. Uh, because uh, if you listen to some of the things he's talked about in education, he's actually talked about mentorship programs and bringing in professionals early. And I mean, again, even he's still a little bit more connected to the jobs thing. But, you know, even like the – it's actually funny. The jobs numbers came out today and they're softer than they should be or oh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and nobody talks about good jobs. 
Nobody talks about what a, what a good job actually means. And more importantly, that imagination that you're talking about, which is like, okay, you can you have writing skills, you have communication skills, all that kind of stuff. I, I don't see a lot of people uh, trying to intersect their skills and their passions with the jobs out there. One, because they don't even know what they're passionate about. And two, and I'm curious if you've seen this, there's this work versus play dynamic that like there's a hard line between the two and well if i'm into fashion there's no way that i can get a job in fashion because i didn't study fashion and i'm not like you know and there's a lot of like well there's a lot of like well i can't possibly do anything in that realm when in reality the reason manufacturing jobs are going away is because at all the jobs are splintering in a good way. Like there's more opportunity than ever before to work in all sorts of weird, bizarre intersections. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's not like when our parents grew up. Uh, but unfortunately, there's not very. And here's a controversial statement. Maybe you know, correct me. You know, whatever. Uh, feel free to disagree. But like, even in our current context with our current professional peers. One of the fundamental questions I have is who are the who are your mentors? Who who are who do you look around and see who are your mentors? And when I look around at quote unquote adults, <laughs> you know, when I look around at quote unquote, you know, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, how many of them have jobs they love? Uh, wow. truly love. Wow. Uh, how many of them are truly passionate about what they do or have a nugget of it? How many of them started off passionate and sort of, and sort of like never updated it or, or allowed themselves to get cynical or allowed them, you know? And so I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying culturally, it's actually a much larger problem because we live in a society where I think a lot of people have lived their lives committed to this sort of lie that work needs to be work and that's what that's and i have to do this i'm yeah. obligated to do this and it's like i'm sorry that you're 65 and you hate what you do but like you can always choose not to do that and of course the the flood of excuses will come or the flood of obligations will come and and but i do think a lot of people in america particularly older people who haven't retired yet are in situations where it's kind of like well it was hard for me so of course it's hard. Sorry, it's hard. Yeah. And it's like, well, does it have to be this hard? Yeah. I, I think, you know, I agree with you. I, I think that there is somewhat of a generation gap. And it's not, I wouldn't, <laughs> I think a lot of times so-called millennials put the <laughs> onus on generation, uh, you know, the baby boomers. And baby boomers say, you know, generation, this generation Y, I guess it is. <laughs> is or millennials are you know whiny or whatever i think they're both sides have some merit to what they're saying i'm generation x so i'm not a part of this whole <laughs> thing, you're just right? in the corner I'm a, being emo going <laughs> both of you all are wrong and we don't we don't you can't sit with us i'm gonna go watch the matrix <laughs> <laughs> but um I think your your you what you hit on is right is that uh, for a long time older people particularly boomers were told okay if you go and get trained in this field this is what you need to do and this is where you st stay at one job for thirty five years get the gold watch 
Yeah. You know, even when gold watches have gone out of the way now, right? And then you have the millennials who are like trying to even get a job, right? And it's very rough. Or trying to cobble together a living, or who have just like rejected the status that you know status quo, um, and have said, you know, we're gonna do do it our way, and we're not gonna take you know working at a place for thirty five years with these super long hours and and these expectations of us that don't really fit what we want to do in our reality and what we think of as progressive and 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 those and doesn't fit with our values right so i think one of the 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 cultural conflicts there is the value of work right so value of work for i think baby boomers a lot of that was Value of work is you need to live, you need to take care of your family, and this is what we've been taught, and this is what we learned, and so you go to work, even if it's, you know, in a cubicle and you hate it, and it's like office space, or you know what I'm saying? But for millennials, they're like, you know, we've seen... We've seen uh, mom and grandma or grandpa, and we've seen it. We don't. We don't want any part of it. But we want to value our work still, whether we're artists or you know technolo- technologists. We want to value our work, but our we see our value of our work not being co-opted by perhaps organizations or corporations, but we get to be in control of it. And so that's that real cultural conflict, and where higher education fits in. I think is with allowing more students and millennials and that generation that's going to come after them to say, we're going to value our work outside of organizations, or we're going to define for ourselves where it is that we want to go. And you know what? If we don't stay there for 35 years, we stay there for a year and then leave, that's perfectly okay. Or if we start our own place, that's perfectly okay. But to be able to think that large is a, necess- a necessity, I think. It's funny that you, you, you talk about like uh, thinking thinking that large because I see it. Uh, I see that truth in the exact opposite way, which is I think it's actually a much. I think it's a small. I think I think the role of the university is much is much more narrowly focused now on one word. And it's failure. <laughs> I, really, genuinely. No, yeah. I, I think college, higher education is the space to fail. Yeah. Uh, if you are failing K through 12, you're not sort of um, getting, you're not, you're not checking the, ba- you know, the, the, the building block, let's say, the foundational building blocks that we as a society have agreed upon. Yeah. Now, I do think there needs to be space, much more space for failure and imagination and all that kind of stuff in, in you know, those lower grades. But you know, as you're developing and as you're a, a developing person, I get the structure. I get it. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, one funny thing that is an aside that we probably uh, you know maybe for another time is like I think millennials over-index on homeschooling. Uh, I think like millennial parents actually are, are taking control of their yeah. children's younger education much more, uh-huh. but that doesn't matter. Uh, what I'm really focused on is college is the time to fail and to learn from those failures and to, tr- and to stretch yourself and to try things. Uh, I mean, we talk about it a lot, but I was as I was coming in today, like, you know, I, there's so many people in their, you know, 18, 22, 23, 24 who 
uh, live in this world and don't realize that this world is sort of created around them and that the walls are soft and that like you can, you know, you can get a, you know, I'm not encouraging anybody to do this, but you can get a DUI, you can, you know, pee on a church, you can, you can <laughs> fail that class, you can try Japanese and get the D minus yeah. and it really doesn't have that big of an impact because what's cool about going out into the real world and sort of creating some things or being a part of something is you realize like this GPA thing, most of the adults most of the people who have started their own things or are a part of a larger thing don't really aren't looking at that aren't, aren't looking at that anymore they're looking for how you think and all that kind of stuff so like do are, are we are are we as instructors as professors as lecturers are we comfortable allowing them to fail giving them space to fail and then coming in and saying okay well let's figure out why that happened or how that happened or what's what that means for you um, and I don't know that we are. I think it's. I think it takes some bravery to let some people fall on their face. I think. Well, unless it takes some bravery to let people fall on their face, but it also takes some like administrative support for allowing that. But you know, what you bring up is like a wonderful like conversation that needs to be had about maybe we should we need to reevaluate how we evaluate students because hmm. maybe the a through e or f depending on what school you are <laughs> right maybe that's not an adequate way of of really evaluating how someone has progressed through a semester or a year right so there's a wonderful conversation that happened a couple of uh weeks ago that i, I, I caught a bit of it on twitter about students in the United States in particular, taking a foreign language in college and how so many people are reticent to do that because you get judged on foreign language now, A through E. Now, of course, if you get, you know, if you say something wrong, you say something wrong. However, how much does that stop you from even trying to learn something as oh. important as Spanish, which is, you know, perhaps the second most spoken language yeah, in the country. Yeah, yeah. Why haven't you taken Spanish, at least in college? Why? I don't want to, I don't, you I don't know, want to lower my GPA. I don't want to lower my GPA or I don't yeah. want to, you know, be, you know, assessed in that way, right, traditionally. But how much is it necessary or valuable for students to have any kind of foreign language training, but they get an A through an E? And there's, you know, there's a hidden, there's a hidden enemy here. Maybe not. Uh, I'm going to be real bold. And look, I've met a lot of these people. I love them as people. But the profession, <laughs> I think, is uh, one that goes undiscussed and uh, guides a lot of young people at a very critical time uh, and in many unproductive ways, which is advisors. <laughs> which is when you enter a free system, and I guess that's the difference, right, between K and 12. K and 12 is a lot more structured, there's a lot more policy around it, there's a lot more politics around it. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think a third grade, fifth grade, 11th grade, even teacher has academic freedom, as we so call it here, right? But no. here, I can come in and create my own syllabus and nobody can tell me anything. I mean, yes, there's accreditation and all that kind of stuff, but that tends to be a little more bureaucratic and you can see them coming from far away. So we have freedom here to teach whatever the heck we want to teach and to sort of frame things in whatever way you want to frame it. And I think that like, you know, the but still fitting it into that A through E context. Yeah. And, uh, and, and also advisors 
and, and sort of the critical tracking, so to speak, or, or the, well, you have to graduate in four years. And I get w- not wanting people to wander too much. Sure. I understand that. Sure. I understand that you need to get people through the system. That said, I don't know what your experience was like, but one, I never visited an advisor. I got very lucky. I came into college with a whole bunch of credits, so I was able to be truly free. And so I took Egyptology, I took astronomy, I took Old and New Testament, I took public speaking. I started my weight loss journey in college by taking some PE classes. Um, And, you know, I don't think, I think that this focus on graduating and getting a job and like rushing to the finish, I have told so many people so many students have come to me and said, well, I'm, I want to graduate early. And I go, why? Yeah. And they can't articulate why. You know, they can't, they don't, they're not saying, well, I want to graduate early so I can take a gap year and go travel. Or I want to graduate early because uh, I have a startup that's brewing and I really want to get, you know, I want to LeBron it. I want to, I want to get through the college, right? They're not saying that. You know, look, uh... Uh, Student athletics, this is a weird aside, but student athletics has a lot of problems, certainly. But one thing that they don't, that they, that there is no problem with is the fact that, like, they are here to train for the thing that they love to do. And if you're good enough and young enough, you can skip the the intermediate part. And yeah, there's some debate as whether or not skipping college college as a college athlete is good or not. But we do not afford the same option to entrepreneurs or to students who are maybe going into the art world or, you know... All these sort of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. 